0: Hello and welcome to episode number 411 of Holy Crap Hit Sports. I'm your host, Pete Davis, here for the whole show, coming to you live from the, well, semi-live, the Sandy Springs Podcast Center and Laundromat and on a cold, chilly day for March 9, 2022. Hope everybody's having a good week so far. I am, and I'm happy to say so. Anyway, what are you going to do here? Let's do Twitter first. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, PeteDavis1. Uh, let's see, if you want to write me a letter, Pete Davis one at Yahoo.com. If you'd like to be a patron of the show, just go to Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and look up Holy Crabbit Sports. Uh, Cheeseburger month, that's all we ask. And let's see, what else? If you'd like a Holy Crabbit Sports t-shirt or coffee mug or any of that great stuff, FarmhousePrintingCo.com. They're right here in Sonoya, Georgia. They're great people. FarmhousePrintingCo.com, your one-stop shop for... HCIS and Kimmer Show and uh horse t-shirts and uh Jack the Good Boy t-shirt, stretchy all them. And Shannon Park's got his stuff on there as well, so check it out. Also, let's get into the headlines. We got some breaking news here. Headlines for Wednesday, March night 2022. Uh I learned my lesson Monday. Got up all, you know, I don't know what's, what's the word for it. I don't know, bright and early on Monday morning and got everything done, and got the podcast done before I went and did the camera podcast. I'm feeling good, you know, getting up and doing it right. And on the drive home, Calvin Ridley uh, gets suspended for a year for gambling. Pretty big story. And I'd already done the podcast that day, so I think I've learned my lesson. Anyway, so that's what, you know, that's what shows you no good deed goes unpunished. We're going to be talking about Calvin Ridley. Uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, we're just now looking at Russell Wilson being traded. Now Carson Wentz has been traded. We'll uh, say a little bit about that coming up in Pete's tweets. Plus, uh, I'm not going to talk too much about it because we don't know a whole bunch of it, but it looks like the NCAA is seriously looking at LSU for both basketball and football. The basketball right now seems to be the worst of it. So we'll see what happens from that. Of course, they drag their feet on this. It just takes forever. Probably goes back to the Ed Orgeron Hell, it might go back to the Paul Dietzel era. I don't know. But uh, look that one up, kids. So we're not going to talk too much about the LSU thing until it goes. I will say this one thing. um, If you need another reason to hate Syracuse, God, there's a thousand of them. Uh, I've never cared for Jim Boeheim. I think he's a jerk. Great coach, but I think he's a jerk. His kid's an even bigger jerk. I don't know if he thinks he's Grayson Allen of Duke or any one of those Dukies. But uh, Buddy Bayheim who leads, I think, the ACC with almost 20 points a game, basically punched his opponent. I can't remember what team they were playing, but it was a the guy they were just jostling for a rebound, and as uh, Buddy's about to head up court, he just slams his fist into the solar plexus of the other player, causing him to double over and take his time to get up the court because, you know, he kind of knocked the wind out of him. And of course, his daddy, Jim, says, well, it wasn't much of a – Uh, You know, it wasn't much of a punch, but it probably would have been a flagrant one foul. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, It doesn't matter. He hit him hard in the solar plexus. You can knock the wind out of somebody that way. You're not supposed to be punching anybody. And I'm not being a wuss about this. I know back in the old days of of Lamb Beer and all them, they just went after each other. If you reach... Uh, i teach or something like that i heard the other day on ghosts but uh so i'm i'm not above somebody throwing an elbow or doing something every once in a while but that was just a full-on punch and it was a short punch but it was a punch nonetheless and he should have been thrown out of the game but you know what he's uh a Bayheim, so probably nothing will happen to him that's syracuse it's syracuse jake it's syracuse Old Chinatown thing. Anyway, headlines. Russell Wilson has a new team, a big trade between the Seahawks and Broncos. A Aaron has made his decision, finally. An NFL team has something extremely rare and weird happened to them, and it's the Falcons. I have maybe, maybe 1% concerned about Calvin Ridley's situation. Former NFL GM and now ESPN analyst Mike Tannenbaum totally disrespects Paul Feinbaum. Great news on Dick Vitale. Deion Sanders has not won, but... Two of his toes cut off. Who are the top 10 college football coaching hires of the last five years? I don't know why I made the word hire into four syllables there, but... The most heated college sports rivalries today we look at, Texas A&M versus Texas. Uh, Big news for Volunteers Football, Russell Westbrook wants you to stop making fun of him. He also wants world peace and he wants it now. More broadcasting mediocrity and calling out Coach K's lack of sportsmanship... Another reason I hate Duke, right up there. I hate Syracuse more than I hate Duke. Bro. Anyways, on my hate level, I think it's Penn State. It used to be Notre Dame, but now it's Penn State, Notre Dame. And I think Syracuse may have just leaped Notre Dame. I think, In fact, they just have. Uh, Notre Dame has now fallen to three. Good news for them. Not that anybody in South Bend, Indiana cares. But anyway, let's start with the NFL. Uh, Start with an item that dropped uh, just after I dropped my podcast on Monday. When the football gods need to have a little fun, their default team to screw is the Atlanta Falcons. I think we all know that by now. Uh, Wide receiver Calvin Ridley, who hardly played at all last season after leaving the team on what most believe were mental issues, has been suspended for the entire 2022 upcoming season for betting on the NFL. Not only betting, but betting on the Falcons. Not only betting on the Falcons, but betting on the Falcons to win, allegedly. Supposedly a parlay. He did this while hanging out in Florida. He knew it was against the rules, but he did it anyway and was dumb enough to do it on his own phone, allegedly, using his own name? Uh, uh, You know this happens all the time, but most players have the brains to have a friend make the bet. This just a few days after Ridley tweeted, Football is life! Uh, Brian Fennerin took him to task on that one, another Falcons receiver. Uh, this is after leaving his teammates. He said football is life. Oh, really? I guess it is right now when it's not the season anymore. Uh, now, this opens up a whole can of worms for the National Football League, and I'll tell you why. Pete Rose, remember him? Still banned from baseball for doing the exact same thing Ridley has done. I don't want to hear anything. It's the same damn thing. Ridley gets one year. He even laughed about that sentence on his personal Twitter page. In fact, Ridley posted several bizarre and frankly stupid things on Twitter Monday when most people would have the good sense to pipe down and let the lawyers handle it. I'm sure his agent was loving this. ESPN sycophants immediately set about defending Ridley, saying the suspension was too long and hypocritical on the part of the league. Now, I will give credit where credit was due. Some of the ESPN people were not defending him. So it was kind of like almost 60-40. Defending him to not defending him, which is a lot more than I thought it would be. Uh, They have a point about the hypocrisy. Seems the NFL cares uh, more about gambling than it does actually beating up and sexually assaulting women, in which you might get a six-game suspension. I've been pointing this out for a couple decades now. But again, again, you cannot have, even in this age of betting as being everywhere, you cannot have a sports league with people thinking it's fixed. People already think it's fixed. But uh, I think Marcus Spears pointed this out. If it really was fixed, the Cowboys would be in the Super Bowl every three years because it's good for the league. He's got a very good point on that. But anyway, this newfound love and alliance with gambling by all the pro sports and some college is a new frontier. And I also uh, predicted that this would open us up for some major corruption involving players. And here we are. Tim Brando also predicted this, among others. The NBA and uh, college basketball has dealt with this in the past and not too long ago. If you remember the NBA referee problem we had, Tim Donahue or Hugh or whatever his name was. But this is the biggest name in the NFL to be involved in something like this since, I guess, Paul Horning and Alex Karras back in the uh, 60s. Ridley was a star in the making when he suddenly stepped away last year. So we'll be talking about gambling and pro sports for quite a while as the lines in the sand over what is now allowed and what isn't, they are a-changing. But my big question is this, it sure seems the NFL, and mainly ESPN, which is in bed with them, has swept us under the rug mighty quickly. It happened Monday afternoon. This broke Monday afternoon. This is only Wednesday, by the way. But Tuesday afternoon, when I started putting this show together, this story, the Ridley story, had not only disappeared. From the headlines of ESPN.com, it had also amazingly already been scrubbed from the NFL headlines page. The NFL headlines page. You're telling me this is one of the top ten stories in the NFL? Less than 24 hours after it breaks, really? Now you could find the story, but it was kind of it was on the page, but it wasn't in the headlines, which is what everybody looks at. You look at the big photo, and then you look at the headlines. That was just on the main page, by the way, of headlines, uh, The um, what, what I'm going to talk about here. Uh, I, I know we had two major NFL stories yesterday, Russell Wilson trade, Aaron Rodgers making his decision to go back to Green Bay, but the Calvin Ridley gambling story was not deemed as important as two signings of receivers by other teams, the ubiquitous daily story on Jim Harbaugh, and the Panthers shopping around the ever-injured Christian McCaffrey. They were deemed more important than the Calvin Ridley story. I don't think so. Uh, On the NFL headlines, the Ridley story, which is not even 24 hours old at that point, was nowhere to be seen, deemed not as important. Uh, 24 hours is not a long time, considering we've had to see Aaron Rodgers stories almost every day with nothing new to say for a year now. Every day, another Aaron Rodgers story, and only yesterday was there really some news. The league and ESPN were quick to say Ridley did bet on his team but bet for them to win, and more importantly, he had no inside information from the team. That's ext- that's the most important thing going in the information coming out. Now, I'm not going to call bullshit on that just yet, but the exoneration sure did follow the original story pretty quickly. I know they're going to say, we've been investigating this for days, weeks now. Mm, okay, For me, it doesn't matter which way he bet, win or lose, if he had inside info which right now there's no proof he had, and we have just the NFL's word that he did not. And as we all know, the NFL always tells the truth, right? Uh, Just seems a little quick is all I'm saying. And living in a time where every, and I mean every major corporation and media venue and government group has been caught lying to us for years now, it would not surprise me if this Calvin Ridley gambling story is just the tip of the iceberg. It definitely won't be the last time a pro or college athlete in sports league will have to address this. The question is, Will we shortly see players no longer get one-year suspensions, much less Pete Rose lifetime banishments for betting on their own teams? And what is the right punishment for this, if any at all? I heard a lot of people running their mouths yesterday that it was too long a suspension. I didn't hear one of them say how long he should have gotten. Uh, You cannot have the public thinking it's fixed. That's the number one rule. We've forgiven just about every other formerly shameful act. It won't surprise me if this is just another slide down the ever more slippery slope of what's been going on, and not in a good way, for Western civilization and this country in general. When really comes back, should he be a Falcon? That was a good question. Mike Conti of 94.9 The Game came out pretty strong, saying no, shouldn't. Not only did Calvin Ridley screw his teammates last season, maybe not his own fault if he was having problems, but he screwed the team by not being available to be traded because of the betting issue. I say, let him stay in Florida, just get him a burner phone. If you've got another NFL team to give him a chance, and there will be he's not a superstar. I don't think he'll ever be a superstar, but he's a damn good receiver, what he wants to be. When, uh, when the fates allow, I guess. So enough about that guy. Uh, so, and by the way, I think he's an asshole. That, that's just me. I, and if he's got mental issues, I hope he gets them fixed uh, right now. But the way he's, the way he's f- screwed this team twice, uh, at this point, I'm screwing. Sorry. Uh, Seattle sent Super Bowl-winning quarterback Russell Wilson to Denver after weeks of talking, one of the biggest trades in history of the NFL. The Broncos have agreed to send a significant package of players and draft picks to Seattle. Uh, they're going to trade their quarterback, Drew Locke, never draft a quarterback from Missouri, tight end Noah Fant, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick to the Seahawks for Wilson and a fourth-round pick. That is way too much for Russell Wilson, all I'm going to say. He's still a very good quarterback, but that's way too much for him. Uh, gives Denver the quarterback that's salt since Peyton Manning retired. Gives Seattle a foundation which to rebuild, and they are definitely in rebuild. Uh, you got to wonder now, with uh, Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson gone, uh, there's teams out there that need a quarterback. Will this move up the Matt Ryan trade some? Hmm. The Broncos have used 11 different starting QBs since Peyton retired before the 2016 season. That's tied for most in the NFL over that span. In fact, they, uh, them in Washington have used 11, Jets 10, the Bears and Browns have used 9. More on the Browns quarterback coming up in a minute, too. Uh, upon Wilson's approval to waive his no-trade clause, the Seahawks send him to Denver, ending a historic 10-season run in Seattle, nine Pro Bowl selections, one Super Bowl title, and more wins than any quarterback over uh, ten his first 10 seasons in the league. Uh, they were downplaying how good he was today, saying you know the man took him to two straight Super Bowls, should have won both of them. They say he game-managed the first one, whatever. He threw the interception that lost the... Uh, the second one, that really wasn't his fault. I think the Patriots knew it was coming, and they shouldn't have been throwing the ball anyway with Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. That was one of the dumbest calls in the history of the NFL. Uh, but it happened. I think he's a Hall of Famer already, tell you the truth. But they were acting on ESPN that he wasn't. Only Dan Orlov- Orlovsky was really defending him which was interesting yesterday. There was a lot of uh, anti-Russell sentiment floating around there. Uh, They can't officially announce this trade until March 16th. What a great day that is. At 4 p.m., that starts the uh, league year. It's like the Chinese New Year. It's not January 1st. It's uh, March 16th this year. And so they say, the Broncos did, this had nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers saying he's going to remain a Packer. Uh, but you know who knows about that? Uh, let's see. Blah, blah blah blah. More on this. Denver. Uh, we don't care. They've done a lot of st- on this story. More on this story, than they did the Calvin Ridley thing. <laughs> tell you the truth. Uh, Russell Wilson has 292 career touchdown passes. That's the second most in a quarterback's first decade in NFL history. Uh, Peyton Manning had 306. Russell has 292, Dan Marino 290. And by the way, the Seahawks will play a home game against the Broncos this upcoming season. That should be quite fun. And I'm sure that the Seattle fans, he put out a big newspaper thing thanking the Seattle fans and everything. I think he'll you know he'll get a big ovation. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, after all the caterwauling and lollygagging and flirtation with Hollywood, is back in his briar patch. In the decision that lasted longer than third grade on Joy Behar, Rodgers is saying he's coming back to Green Bay. It had to burn him that he was just the second, if not third most talked about NFL story yesterday. <laughs> that was just amazing. What bad timing. It's like those poor bastards that die on a day that somebody huge like you're a, you're a, you're a celebrity but someone mass like a Michael Jackson dies and and you're somebody that was a pretty good movie star in the 70s and 80s and you're you die on the day Michael Jackson dies nobody knows you're dead that's just one of those things. Uh, let's see. I was watching the Paul Feinbaum show on the SEC Network yesterday as I put the podcast together. His guest, one of them, was a former NFL general manager and now ESPN analyst Mike Tannenbaum, who's right about 90%. No, he's not. He's wrong about 90% of the time. Mike, to my opinion, totally disrespected his host. He spent a good amount of time during the show on his phone, looking down on his phone, continually checking it out during the interview as if he was Adam Schefter. You're not Adam Schefter yet. By the way, Adam Schefter played a, a pretty mean a mean thing, trick on uh, Mina Kimes, who is a, an unabashed Seahawks fan. And she was recording the highly questionable show or whatever it's called these days. And Schefter basically sent her a... a a text message saying boy you're she's going to be really mad when she hears this and of course she basically rather unprofessionally stops the show so she can read her text messages and you can see that the other girl i forget her name the other girl's getting pissed she's going uh can you not just read it on the air here so we can keep keep the show going and pablo torres is thinking uh, i can't say anything but i'll be you know accused of criticizing a woman god forbid so anyway, so Mina Kimes just shuts the show down, and it's all Schefter's fault because he's basically teasing her. And then he comes on and, and, and says with the next text, the Seahawks will definitely be going into preseason this year. And So she's screaming, you know, it was all a hoax. And then turns out that Russell Wilson was traded. You know that was, that's what she was thinking. Meanwhile, some sad news here. Deion Sanders had two of his toes on his left foot amputated because of blood clots. This is very serious. The Jackson State head coach, NFL Hall of Famer, uh, said the severity of his foot injury uh, was more than people thought. He was hospitalized for around a month in the middle of last season, had a dislocated toe along with an inflamed nerve. The initial procedure was in September. He returned to the field for practice using a golf cart and crutches, had a push scooter as well. He said as the heel, his healed, as he healed, his toes began to darken under the bandages. He says, they were talking about the amputation of toes, then they were talking about the amputation of my leg from the knee down, then they were trying to ensure I had life. He's 54 years old, had several surgeries, developed a femoral arterial blood clot, that's a leg clot. He also had compartment syndrome, which means his leg swelled up. The doctors literally had to flay open his leg to drain fluid. He later had his left foot's big toe and second toe amputated. So we're not talking pinky and the one next to it, which you could put a prosthetic maybe on there, uh, something in your shoe and not really miss it all that much. Your big toe gone and the the one next to it, that's massive. I'm sure there's things they can do for it, and he's got the money to fix it, but still. Mm, you know, Here's a quick, when you're a multimillionaire, do you even bother with health insurance? Or do you just go in there and say, I'll write you a check, doc? Do you, do you still bother with health insurance when, you, you, when you're like a Bill Gates or something? Why, why would you? You just go in there and say, and they say, well, here's the bill, Mr. Gates. And you go, uh, which side, the north or the south? And you go, what are you talking about, Mr. Gates? Which side do you want me to build your new cancer wing on or something like that? I mean, come on. Anyway, uh, 247sports.com will continue a series they're putting out there as the 10 most heated rivalries in college sports. Today we do football, Texas, Texas A&M. These two haven't met on the gridiron for, well, it's over 10 years now, 2011, but they still hate each other. The annual game ended when A&M joined the Southeastern Conference 10 years ago, but with the Longhorns soon to enter the nation's most competitive league, Most expect this series to be renewed. In January of 2013, a Texas state legislator filed a bill that would require them to play every other year. It never came to fruition. Uh, They've had other attempts since then that have failed. It comes as no surprise Texas A&M was not in favor of Texas joining the SEC. Athletic Director Ross Bjork said last summer at Media Days that his university loved being the only school in the state of Texas in the SEC. We're going to maintain that position. No, you're not. Texas, by the way, leads the all-time series with the Aggies, 76, 37, and 5, which begs the question, is it even a rivalry if you haven't even won half? the? Basically, the other teams doubled you and wins? I've written a book about two books that involve Texas Longhorns and Texas A&M one of them, uh, I uh, Love Texas, I Hate Oklahoma, which is basically, basically talks about the history of the Longhorns and the Sooners as well. And uh, the Totally Biased Guide to Southern College Football, which has a huge section on the Longhorns and another one on A&M and talks about their rivalry and everything. Uh, available on Amazon.com and paperback and uh, Kindle. So check it out. Lovely price. Uh, Tennessee will not hold a spring game this season due to renovations in Neeland Stadium. Indoor plumbing can be a bitch to install, especially when you also have to train the fans how to use it. So, sorry, I was right there on the T. Could not resist. NBA news. After his wife took to social media to uh, detail the criticism and even death wishes her family has received, Russell Westbrook elaborated on the harassment that he's been subject to in his first season with the Lakers. What? L.A. fans being crude and wishing death on people? Huh. Who would have thunk? Uh, anyone who sends a death threat to a player, by the way, needs to spend maximum jail time getting Roger in the shower daily in prison. And they have some pretty nasty prisons out there in California. But anyway, uh, Westbrook, 14-year veteran, nine-time All-Star, former league MVP, says this is nothing new to him but his wife, and he are speaking out for two reasons, to defend the honor of their family name and to protect their children. He says when it comes to basketball, I don't mind the criticism of missing and making shots, but the moment it becomes where my name is getting shamed, it becomes an issue. Here's Westbrook's quote. I've kind of let it go in the past because it never really bothered me, but it really kind of hit me the other day. Me and my wife were at a teacher-parent conference for my son, and the teacher told me, Noah, he's so proud of his last name, he writes it everywhere. He writes it on everything. He tells everybody and walks around and says, I'm Westbrook. And I kind of sat there in shock, Russell said, and it hit me. Damn, I can no longer allow people to besmirch my name, end quote. Really? What are you going to do, Russ? Have them kicked out of the arena? like LeBron, pummel them with your fists, sue them. Now, death threats are criminal, but making fun of someone's name during a game, as long as you're not profane around children, that's not. Seems some of these gods who walk amongst us want to make it so you can't even boo them anymore. I'm sorry, Russell Westbrook, it's part of the, the thing. If someone's just having, and, and basically they're calling him West Brick. Are you kidding me? That's what's upsetting him, being called West Brick when he misses a shot? Man up, Russ man up there was no more boring or possibly wrong uh more times than former analyst uh, mike mayock remember him <laughs> i'm sorry I, I fall asleep just saying his name mike mayock the personality of a dying cactus and the sense of humor of an already dead cactus is being looked at to return to broadcasting for some reason after he was fired as the failed gm of the raiders why this guy's horrible on air horrible on top of that doris burke who knows her stuff but it is about as interesting on air as a live cactus has signed a multi-year deal to stay with ESPN. I can't listen to her. She bores the shit out of me. It's a game. It's supposed to be entertainment. It's like, hey, why don't you just dig up Tony Kubek and bring him back? A swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania says the situation surrounding the transgender swimmer Leah Thomas is, quote, insane, end quote. Thomas formerly competed as a man for the Penn University team for three years. Uh, He was identifying as a male at the time. No, he wasn't identifying as a male. He was a fucking man at the time. Now, and I'm not going to call it a her like they do through this entire article. It is shattering records on the women's team as one of the top swimmers in the nation since starting its transition. Some of its teammates say its success in the pool is not fair. They have not shared their stories publicly until now. One of Thomas's teammates sat down for an exclusive interview with News Nation investigative correspondent Rich McHugh. She wanted to talk but feared worldwide backlash, so they agreed to guarantee her anonymity. How sad are we at this day and age that you can't speak your mind in America without the Fucking mentally ill freaks threatening you. Last time I checked, there's a hell lot more of us than them. Sorry to make it an us versus them thing, but they started it. I I just, I have a problem. It's America. I've said this before. You want to pretend you're a woman when you're not? You go right ahead. You want to change your name? Do what you want. I just don't have to play your stupid game. I don't have to think you're a girl or call you a girl or call you by a girl's name or say her or she on your pronouns or give a flying fuck what your pronouns are. I think you're a fucking freak with mental issues that not only do you think you're a woman, but you get some jollies and grins and giggles out of beating real women in sporting events when you know going in they don't have a chance against you. The only time this this pseudo guy lost was when he went up against another trans freak who was better than him. Sorry. And, and it's not really derogatory to call someone a freak. We called Javon curse a freak for how many years a freak. If you look it up is something so far out of the norm, doesn't mean it's derogatory. It's just that far out of the norm. It's a freak. And that's what he is. Doesn't mean he belongs in a freak show. And man, you talk about that's something that's going away. If you had a freak show, remember the bearded lady? Well, hell, you can get that in the mall now. The, the person who's incredibly obese, that's half the country. You know. Uh, the person who thought they were two genders. Uh, you know, it's bad, bad decade for freak shows going on right now. Anyway, uh, this swimmer, who's an actual woman, and it was International Women's Day yesterday, uh, she supports Leah's transition, but feels like she and her teammates aren't being heard Uh, The first word that comes to my mind is insane. I feel like it's something that's so basic that people have just somehow managed to twist and make it way more complicated than it should have ever been. Uh, She says, I think we're going to look at the people who are making these decisions and, and were in charge and kind of laugh at them and then just ask, what were you doing? You had the power to change that and you chose not to. You're kind of a coward for that. She's calling the people, the University of Pennsylvania and the people in the uh, Ivy League and all of them who are allowing the freak to do this. She's calling them cowards, and that's exactly what they are. The so-called adults in charge, complete cowards on this whole thing. And it's a very simple thing. There was a time that society did not allow women to compete in sports. And then we became oh, enlightened. And allowed women to have sports, which they should have been doing all along. So we had men's category and women's category, right? So what's wrong with having a trans category now? You don't compete against women. And you know what? It never seems to go the other way, does it? You don't see women becoming men and deciding to go up against the men. I wonder why that is. Could it have something to do with science and biology I know we're not really following that too closely these days. We follow the science we want to when it's politically expedient. I'm looking at you, CDC. But anyway, by the way, this goes on the par. There was a woman who had the guts to come out the other day. I think she's a conservative college student somewhere, and she she came out in a national publication saying she has to self censor herself and is afraid to speak her real thoughts in a classroom because she's afraid the liberals will do something to her. So she had the, the guts to come out and say this, and guess what? The liberals are threatening her. Threatening, free speech, attack from every side. You just got to stand up and say, screw you. I don't care what you think. I'm going to say what's on my mind. And that's just the way it's got to be. It's the only way. That that way, the real adults get back in charge. Anyway, uh, Saturday Down South has a great editorial about the classless way that Duke coach Mike Chichesky and his coaching staff act. When they lose, they're bad losers. They act like spoiled brats. It's a good read by Adam Spencer. Check it out. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, Jim Bayheim can be right up there with it as well. Uh, Got to feel sorry for fans of the Chelsea soccer team in England. First, their Russian owner has been forced to sell the team, which is good. But the guy most interested in buying the team is the New York Jets owner. Imagine being a Chelsea fan that doesn't know much about the NFL, and you say, oh, he owns a team in New York? Let me check the record here. No, no, don't check the record. Yeah, it's pretty, it's horrible. Uh, let's see, on this day, March 9th, in 1936, Babe Ruth turned down the Reds, who wanted him to make a comeback as a player. He said, nope, I'll leave as a Brave, a Boston Brave. 1946, Ted Williams offered 500000 to play in Mexicans, Mexico's Baseball League, and he refused. Birthdays on March 9th in 1912, Arky Vaughn, Hall of Fame shortstop, was an all-star in the 30s and 40s, National league batting champion in 35, the stolen base leader in 43, born in Clifty, Arkansas, I don't know where Clifty is, uh, died 1952, I guess that's why they called him Arky, duh, 1927, Jackie, what, what am I, uh, Billy Eilish, duh, have you noticed that she's, is that her number one song, Bad Guy? Which is a good song. I think she's a genius. She can sing. Um, She's already sold her song twice. It's in a new cartoon movie about the animals being bad guys. And then I heard it on a Peloton commercial. Are you kidding me? Peloton's like the most out of fashion, out of style last year's news thing going right now and that's who she sells hers at least the who and the Beatles and bob dylan waited half a century to sell out uh, you, I, can you blame her though she's probably getting enough money to not have to do it. she's got her a few money let's put it that way and can you blame her because I, I saw something yesterday remember lisa left-eyed lopez uh, the former girlfriend of Andre Risen, she burned his mansion down up at Alpharetta. She put all his tennis shoes in the bathtub and set it ablaze and burned the house down. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and then she died tragically. In fact, there's a video, there's a documentary about it, how she dies down in, uh, in Central America somewhere. And she's in a, a, a van or bus and they get in a car wreck and they were filming at the time. So you basically, you have the last minutes of her life until the crowd crash. But anyway, she was smart as a whip. She they have her own video explaining why her and TLC, the three girls, could sell 10 million records and be broke. And she breaks it down bit by bit, by bit, and how the IRS took their money, the record companies took their money, their agents took their money, the lawyers took the money and just stole them, robbed them blind. So do you blame Billie Eilish for selling out immediately? No. Not a bit. Uh, March 9, 1927, Jackie Jensen was born. What a great name. Jackie Jensen, baseball player. American League MVP in 1958. Was born in San Francisco. He died in 1982. I think, didn't he retire because he didn't like flying? 1942, one of my favorite players as a kid, Burt Campanaris, Cuban-American player for the Oakland A's, born in Pueblo Nuevo, Cuba. Gosh, he was fun to watch. 1943, Bobby Fischer, American chess player, the world champion in the 70s, uh, took on the Ruskies and kicked their ass. Born in Chicago, he died in 2008. Very strange man. 1950, Danny Sullivan, American auto racer, won the Indianapolis 500 in 1985, was born in Louisville. Also in 1950, Andy North. I saw him today. He, uh, Andy's looking a little older, but he is getting up there. What is it? That makes him 72 today? Yeah. Uh, Golfer, broadcaster, won the U.S. Open in 78 and 85. Works for ESPN now. Born in Thorpe, Wisconsin. He was doing an interview this morning talking about how I think Tiger Woods or somebody, Tiger Woods' son, is going to induct him into the Hall of Fame or something. I forget what it was. And Andy North was going on about what a great dad Tiger was. And uh, what a great job. It looks like he has done a great job. I think he's a great dad. After a certain point, he's become a great dad. I don't think he was a great dad when he was still married to Elon. I think there were some things going on as we found out that Thanksgiving night. For Anyway, uh, let's see. 1956, Mark D'Antonio, former Michigan State uh, football coach, born in El Paso. 1961, Mike Leach, Mississippi State coach. Uh, born in Susanville, California. What a fun guy he is. The Pirate. 1963, Terry Mulholland. Uh, pitcher, they say, mainly with the Phillies. But he was also with the Braves here in Atlanta from 1999 and 2000. He was born in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. I liked watching him pitch. Uh, right now, you wouldn't recognize him. He has long gray hair and a beard these days. In fact, Who typed this? I did. Has long gray hair and a bear these days. Oh, really, he's got a pet beard. No, he's got a beard. Left the D out there. Uh, Mulholland, I think, was it Mulholland or Bilecki I'm thinking of? Maybe both did it. They had that little dip in their rotation where they dipped the ball down behind them. Ah, I'm trying to think. Maybe that was both of them. Kent Merker did a little thing where he curved his wrist. But these guys kind of dipped the ball down. I think Rick Sutcliffe did a little bit of that as well. Interesting ways. Uh let's see. Uh to me, I remember trying it out as a kid kid, hell I was twenty (laughs) eight. I was trying to copy how he was throwing the ball. And it slowed down my it slowed down my fastball, which really didn't need any slowing down. Nineteen sixty five, Benito Santiago, Puerto Rican player for the uh uh it says here the Phillies. This guy must be in love with the Phillies. Benito Santiago was a star for the Padres. What a fun guy to watch play. He was one of those guys that did the Manny Sanguin thing where he got completely down on his uh, his haunches and his knees and everything and would throw guys out from his knees. Well not his knees. He'd be sitting down and be throwing the guy out. Uh, born in Ponce, Puerto Rico. 1965, Brian Bosworth, College Football Hall of Fame linebacker for Oklahoma. They won a national championship in 85. He played for the Seahawks, uh, later admitted he was big-time steroid user, and does a good job on those Dr. Pepper commercials. Born in Oklahoma City. In 2003, Sunisa Lee, American gymnast, won the all-around Olympic gold in Tokyo last year. Born in St. Paul, Minnesota. Good for her. Uh, let's see, dead people on March 9th. In 1916, Kenneth Hutchings died. Now, who's that? He was an English cricket player, and they called him an exciting batsman. But he died fighting at the Battle of the Somme in World War One. He was 33 years old. Hundreds of th- That battle lasted almost a year and killed hundreds of thousands of people for basically a few football yards. F- football size lengths of uh, ground it was unbelievable and it looks like europe is trying to start their third world war in a little over a hundred years uh we talked about this on the camera show why is it it's not africa or asia or north or central or south america it's always europe that causes the world wars and drags the rest of us in there and the question gets to it at what point do we say Nah, we're not we're not coming to save your ass this time. This is this is all on you. I don't know. At some point you gotta wonder. Uh March 9, 1943, Oscar Hex, uh, Czech marathon runner and anti fascist, uh dies in Auschwitz. So two sad deaths in the sporting world. Uh World War I, Battle, and uh, Auschwitz. Uh H E K S is how he spelled his name. Oscar Hex. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. It's got the little uh, a little mark above the E there. 1991, Jim Harden. I completely forgot about this guy. An Orioles, Yankees, and Braves pitcher. He was born in 1943. He was 5-2 and two for the Atlanta Braves in 1972. Had an ERA over 4. I should remember his name. That's my great-grandmother's maiden name, Harden. No, no, it was her real name. Because that was she was married into the Hardens. Yeah, she was a Kimbrel. Kimball, or something. Kimbrel. And married into the Hardens. In fact, one of my, in fact, my great great grandfather was a doctor for the Confederacy Mississippi uh, uh, group in uh, the war between the states. And he went AWOL twice. <laughs> Got his records. I looked it up. And they let him back one time because he brought them a bear. He had shot and killed a bear and brought it. In. I guess they used the meat and the. The fur or whatever, probably pretty hungry. But he, I guess, he went home to be a doctor a couple times. It was not a far walk. He was he was stationed, I think, 50, 60 miles away from his home there in Mississippi. But he went AWOL twice. <laughs> anyway, uh, maybe I should laugh at that, but it's funny. Uh, Two thousand five, Glenn Davis, no relation. College football now, not the Glenn Davis that was great with the Astros and sucked as the Orioles. Not the baseball player, Glenn Davis, the college football Hall of Fame halfback. Won the Heisman Trophy in 1946 and the National Championship in 44, 45, and 46, playing for Army. In fact, Army helped win the World Championship in 1945. Uh, Played uh, for the L.A. Rams. He died of prostate cancer. He was 80 years old. 2010, Willie Davis, no relation, uh, center fielder, mainly for the Dodgers, underrated player, dies at 69. And in 2016, we lost Bill Wade. Quarterback was a pro bowler in the 50s and 60s for the LA Rams and the Bears. Died at the age of 85. Pretty damn good quarterback. You look him up. Bill Wade. All right, gonna take a sip here and do peach Sweets. <laughs> One day I'm gonna get me a band. By the way, as much as I hate to say this, if you got Amazon Network, whatever, the Bing, the Ricardos, have you seen that? As much as I dislike Aaron Sorkin and anything he writes, he's a great writer. But he writes as liberals think they talk. People don't have. It's one thing to have a nice quip every once in a while, you know, to really lay a zinger on somebody. But when every sentence out of someone's mouth is pure gold, that you have to constantly rewind and go, "What did they say?" Because it's that good. Nobody talks like that, Bennett. Okay, I'm really gonna age myself, Bennett. Surf. PJ Woodhouse did not talk like this okay no one talked like that and Aaron Sorkin every character is like the most educated brilliant speaker in the history of mankind but he actually did a great job with being the Ricardos and I didn't know he did it till the end I read it I was like god that was him that did this because for once it wasn't every other thing out of their mouth was great it was like every other thing so you could kind of go along with it and of course most of it's probably bs it's it's a fictional thing nicole kidman nailed lucille ball she got her down pat boy both of those things were rather sexual weren't they anyway and javier bardem is one of the greatest actors alive right now and you remember him for no country for old men as probably one of the great top three bond villains of all time in Skyfall. Uh, just a great actor he is Ricky Ricardo and it really does do a great job showing how intelligent that uh, Desi Arnaz was what a brilliant man ahead of his time and so many things what a talent he was and what a love they had and basically he blew it he couldn't stop womanizing and you know he's or William Frawley he played uh, Fred Mertz Uh, they basically go into that a lot, how it looked like Vivian Vance was so much younger than him. And and she says in the show, she goes, that it looks like I married my grandfather, and yet everybody talks about how I'm not, the, the joke on the show is how I'm not good enough looking for him. And it really hurt Vivian Vance, who was Lucille Ball's best friend. And that's why she was on two of her shows, the one afterwards, the one where she was Mrs. Carmichael, Lucille Ball was. But anyway, lot of groundbreaking, and the show's behind the scenes. And, of course, it starts off with the, the week that uh, Walter Winchell called Lucille Ball a communist. And it's interesting how they got out of that situation. And for Aaron Sorkin, who's a blazing liberal, if you ever do West Wing or whatever he did and everything, he actually did something pro-American in it. Where he has uh, Ricky Ricardo or Desi Arnaz Jr., no, that's the son, Desi Arnaz, yell at Lucy about something she did in her youth that she's trying to defend when it comes to communism. And he just lays into her because he grew up, he knows what happened. That was before Castro took over, because um, this is set in the um, mid 50s mid to early 50s so Castro was into 58 taking over but there were communist insurgents throughout Cuba and basically Arnez grew up knowing that the troubles of that and knowing as he called them Bolsheviks knowing what they would do and uh, but it's interesting that William Frawley played a bigger deal allegedly than you think because everyone always says he was just a drunk he was drunk all the time and the show last night said he drank but he had a he had a, um, an agreement with Desi that he would never be drunk, that he would drink but not be drunk. And I don't know how true it was, but he was kind of a mentor to all of them because he was an old vaudevillian and everything. And Lucy looked up to him, which is interesting. So, And I don't know how much of it was true, but it's well-written, and, it's, and it, those two, Bardem and, and Lucille and Nicole Kidman, are brilliant. In fact, everybody in it. Uh, what's that guy's name? Jr. The guy who played um, J J Jonah Jameson in the Spider Man movies. Uh, you know him. He's in he's in so many stuff. He does the those insurance commercials. What a great actor! His name's J. Damn it, I forget his name. But uh, let me ask Alexa: Who plays J Jonah Jameson in the Spider Man movies? J Jonah Jameson was played by J.K. Simmons in the 2002- Alexa, Spider-Man. stop. J.K. Simmons is his name. Great actor. He's in it. Uh, I don't know the woman who played Vivian, but she's really good, too. Everybody in it's amazing. So I was shocked when I found out it was an Aaron Sorkin thing at the end of it. But it's well worth seeing. And what's funny, we said it before, uh, they, they, every year they come out with something bitching about how liberals were treated in the 50s by the blacklist and everything, and yet they're doing the exact same thing these days to conservatives out there. And they don't see the irony in it at all. Of course not. Anyway, Brett McMurphy uh, says, Oklahoma's going to unveil a public dedication of a Baker Mayfield Heisman Trophy statue after their spring game April 23rd. And someone said, well, I can't wait to see the uh, chip on the shoulder of that statue. <laughs> What's this? What's this? Alexa, notification. One new notification right. from Amazon Shopping. Last month, you bought Levi's jeans, <laughs> On Amazon, how many stars would you rate it From i give nine it to five I give it five stars thanks You're your looking. rating will help other customers make better choices I like to stop i don 't care uh, it 's buyer beware that could have turned dangerous. God knows what I, I as soon as I said for her to say something i 'm thinking, what the hell did I buy last month? I hope it 's not something embarrassing i don 't want to have to stop this uh, <laughs> podcast abruptly. <laughs> but it was only blue jeans. So anyway. First time I've ever bought blue jeans without trying them on first. Hmm, what does that say about me? Oh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, it, it, you, can't, you cannot make this shit up. Um, so I'm watching ESPN's coverage Monday before they buried the story of Calvin Ridley and the whole gambling thing. And all they're talking about is gambling, 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 and how it's changing everything, blah, blah, blah. They literally sign off NFL Today talking about Calvin Ridley and how sad the whole situation is, and they immediately go to the next show, which is the Daily Wager, uh, talking about, and basically they had a guy, the host of Daily Wager, saying, nothing to see here, folks, keep moving. It was was an isolated incident, no inside information, nothing to see, keep moving. (laughs) You can't make it up. Uh, Let's see, uh, former UNC basketball star Jerry Stackhouse, as reacted to the Tar Heels beating Duke in Coach K's final home game, quote, We still hate him, and we're super glad to spoil the party. He had a temper tantrum at the end, so we must really have gotten under his skin, end quote. You gotta love the hate. Thank you, 24-7 Sports, for that. Uh, uh, the PFF draft tweet uh, said this on April 18th of 2021. Matt Ryan plus Julio Jones plus Calvin Ridley plus Kyle Pitts Who is stopping this Atlanta offense? And then they wrote yesterday, well, this aged like milk. (laughs) Uh, By the way, if you like pool noodles, and who doesn't? Who doesn't ride on pool noodles? God, when you're in the ocean or in the swimming pool, they're great. You float on them. How they can hold you up is amazing. But anyway, now they've they've come to the next generation of pool noodle, which, by the way, always check because there's snakes in the sumbitches sometimes. I'm not kidding. If you leave them outside over the winter, A snake's crawling in them, so always check them. Uh, I'm not making it up. Look it up. Um, Pool pool noodle people are now put a cup holder on the end of it. So when you sit on the pool noodle and it curves between your legs and both of them in the front and the back stick up, front and back of you, the one in front of you can have a a beer stuck in it. How brilliant is that? And how long did it take to to think that? Uh, Let's see what else we got. Uh, happy birthday yesterday to the great Jim Bouton in heaven, hopefully, uh, born in New Jersey in 1939, uh, March 8th, the book ball four, and of course the sequel ball four plus ball five where he talks about coming back with the Atlanta Braves. Ted Turner gave him a, a second chance. The, that's the greatest sports book ever written in my mind. It changed. And someone else said on Twitter yesterday, I read that as a kid and it warped me and it did. It made me want to be a baseball – I already wanted to be a baseball player, and that made me a nut to be a baseball player. Of course, it never came close. Uh, Let's see what else. The top head coaching hirings of the last five seasons in FBS college football. A guy named Adam Rittenberg has put this together, and he says number 10 is Sam Pittman of Arkansas. That's a good choice. Number 9 is Jeff Trailer. I'm trying to figure out who the hell is Jeff Trailer. Is that Oklahoma? No, no. Oh, San Antonio. Okay, I think. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Chadwell of uh, the Chanticleers. Uh, Mario Cristobal of not Miami, Oregon. Billy Napier of the Raging Cajuns, now at Florida. Uh, Ed Orgeron of LSU is number five. Matt Rule of Baylor, number five, because they were hired back in 2017. Both are gone now. Uh, Lincoln Riley, number three. Ryan Day of Ohio State, number two, and the number one head coach hiring in college football the past five years, Luke Fickle of Cincinnati. Hmm. So, uh, and I'm going. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's Lane Kiffin? If Sam Pittman's in there, Lane Kiffin needs to be on there. And one of the, one of the, some guy Pat from Mississippi called up and said, "No, wait a minute. Where's Lane Kiffin?" And Feinbaum says well because Kiffin didn't have anything when he came there he was left with nothing and had to build from ground zero and Feinbaum says yeah that's true but that's not what this is about this is about a great coaching hire not what they were left with okay so later on in the show he has Adam Rittenberg, who wrote the damn piece on. And he goes, what was the uh, criteria for this? And one of the first things Rittenberg says, well, we looked at what they were left with when, we, when they got the job. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Jeff Passan uh, says, uh, Major League Baseball's newest TV partner is Apple. Uh, they're going to carry Friday Night Baseball doubleheader on Apple TV+. Plus they will be exclusive, exclusively broadcast on the streaming service, which you've got to pay for. And I remember that's the saying that's got uh, the Sci-Fi Series Foundation, but everybody knows it for Ted Lasso. So, And I, one of these days I'm going to have to watch season two of that, so I'm going to get Apple. And I'll probably wait if there is a baseball season. By the way, they're still talking. The deadline was yesterday for a 162-game schedule. They postponed a little bit. There was a lot. They were up all night. There was a lot of... We're going to check this at the end of the show. There was a lot of optimism, and then as the, the day has gone on today, the optimism has rather faded once again. It seems the international draft is a sticking point now, but uh, we'll see. I'll check on it at the end here. Denver Broncos had a great tweet yesterday. Once they got Russell Wilson, they took a shot from uh, Castaway with Tom Hanks where he painted the blood or whatever it was on the uh, volleyball, the face, and he named it Wilson. That was a sad part of the – sad, sad part of the – I really was upset. Uh, I, I was more upset of him losing that volleyball, spoiler alert, than his marriage breaking up. But, you know, anyway. Uh, Denver Broncos put the uh, the volleyball on there like – well, it's Wilson. They got Wilson. Anyway, sorry. What else we got here? Rasball says the MLB owners turn their pockets inside out to show that they have no money and an Apple TV deal accidentally fell out. <laughs> uh, let's see. Joel Sherman said, so in baseball news, one-time Expos draftee Tom Brady retires, former A's first-rounder Kyler Murray demanding a new contract, and long ago Rockies pick Russell Wilson who was traded. Back up to you guys in the booth. Uh, ESPN had a thing today about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Green Bay's odds to win the Super Bowl from Las Vegas, Caesar Sportsbook, everyone's a Caesar uh, before Rodgers signed and he hasn't really signed yet he just says he's coming back before he said that they were six to one odds the Packers winning it all next year now after he said he's coming back they're four to one odds and the favorite to win the Super Bowl according to Caesars congratulations to Roddy white the former Falcons great receiver he has gotten married a lovely bride not him his lovely bride. Adam Schefter says the Colts traded quarterback Carson Wentz to Washington. Uh, There was a lot of talk about Matt Ryan going there. For a package uh, thought to include two third-round picks. Uh, Of course, now Indianapolis needs a quarterback, and so does Seattle. Matt Ryan. Uh, R.J. Young has released his spring top 25 football poll from Fox College Football. Number 25, the Hawkeyes. 24, the Nittany Lions. 23, the Trojans. Wow, they may be higher than that. Before Riley, Riley and Caleb Williams will have them higher than that, I'm sure. Uh, then you have Kentucky at 22, Badgers at 21. Number 20 is the Longhorns. Then you have the Ducks, the Bearcats, Houston. And uh, there's two Cougars, the Houston Cougars and the Brigham Young Cougars at 16. At 15, you have the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Then you have Wake Forest. The Sooners, Clemson at number 12, Michigan number 11, and here's your top 10 of R.J. Young's spring top 25 going into the spring games and practices. Uh, the Spartans at 10, the Rebels at 9. I think Ole Miss is a little high there. It, they may be better than people think, but losing Matt Corral, come on. I know they got the other guy coming in uh, from Southern Cal, trying to remember his name. <laughs> I think it was Southern Cal, uh, and you know, and Lane Kiffin will work his magic. They, well, they've had a hell of a transfer portal thing, but replacing Matt Corral, they're gonna may, they may have to you know get up to speed. So number nine is a little high, frankly. Uh, let's see Utah at eight, the Utes. Uh, let's see uh, bu- 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 number seven, the Fighting Irish. That's a little high too. The Razorbacks at number six, uh, that's a little high. Uh, number five, Baylor. Yeah. I can see that, number four. Wait a minute. He's got Georgia, number four? The defending champs only four? Okay. Uh, Ohio State at number three. Texas A&M, number two. And, of course, the Crimson Tide, as always, number one in the preseason stuff. Interesting. And, boy, Alabama fans got to be so proud of Calvin Ridley these days. Did he graduate from there or did he just go there? My boy. Bet is he didn't graduate. Uh, Reuben Frank has a point. Incredible, the Colts have traded Carson Wentz before the Eagles even used the first-round pick they got from the Colts for Carson Wentz. (laughs) And that's Pete's tweets. This day in baseball history, 1897 on March 9th. The Cleveland Spiders signed Penobscot Indian Louis Sokalexis. Although the former Holy Cross star plays only three seasons due to alcoholism, the fans admire his outstanding skills and refer to the team as the Indians. In 1915, it becomes the Cleveland Indians. It was named to honor an Indian, and guess what? We're so woke now, we've changed the name. 1922, Rogers Hornsby, coveted by John McGraw of the New York Giants, signs a three-year contract with the Cardinals. 25-year-old second baseman, hits 404 over the three years of his deal, plays for $8, $18,500 per season, making him the highest-paid player in National League history. March 9, 1943, uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers trade first baseman Babe Dahlgren to the Phillies for outfielder Lloyd who who is was um, little poison, and infielder Al Glossop. Uh, Let's see. Uh, 1948, Ted Williams accepts Babe Didrikson Zaharias' challenge to compete in a driving contest at a golf range. The former Olympic track star turned golf champ playfully teases the Red Sox superstar, giving him pointers when the kid slices most of his drives as her shots go straight and longer. She wins. 1960, the police find Arnold Johnson en route to his Palm Beach home after watching his A's play a spring training interscot intra-squad game and they find him semi-conscious and slumped behind the wheel of his car the 53 year old club owner dies the next morning because of a cerebral hemorrhage Mm. Uh, 1961 the yankees announced the team will be leaving its spring training home in st petersburg to move to fort lauderdale uh, the Yankee owners also encouraged the uh, yet unnamed National League New York franchise to play its home games at the polo grounds and not consider Yankee Stadium, which is ironic because when the Yankees came to New York, they, for a while, they, after they left Highland Park, uh, Highlander Park or Highland whatever, um, and were building Yankee Stadium, they played three seasons in the polo grounds, but they denied their stadium to the Mets. It's kind of a shitty thing to do. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. 1963, songwriters Ruth Roberts and Bill Katz introduced the official Mets theme, Meet the Mets, Meet the Mets, which was used to such comic relief in Mad Men. Remember when Don, what was his name, Don something, the main character, gets drunk at a pitch meeting and starts singing Meet the Mets because they're trying to come up with something for the Mets? Pretty funny. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? March 9th, 1979. Uh, fearing legal consequences, Bowie Kuhn gives female reporters access to major league locker rooms. Very unpopular ruling. And uh, I've told the story before and I'll do it again at some point, but not today. Uh, I got the first woman into the Atlanta Braves locker room. And we were in high school at the time, and she was the first one to get in there. And it was quite a story, quite an adventure. Uh, Glenn Hubbard, Dell Murphy, Bob Horner, and Eddie Solomon, the late Eddie Solomon, were big stars in the story, too. I'll tell that sometime in the future. You've probably heard it before, though. In 1994, after being hit in the groin by an errant pickoff throw from his teammate, Mitch Williams, uh, that breaks his protective cup, John Cruck will be diagnosed with testicular cancer. He will uh, make a full recovery after surgery. I don't think it caused the cancer. I think that's how they found it. That saved his life. Amazing. Uh, 1995, at a meeting in West Palm Beach, Florida, the Major League owners vote unanimously 28 to nothing to add their 13th and 14th expansion teams, uh, granting franchises to Phoenix and Tampa Bay. Uh, the new cities beat out Orlando and Washington, D.C. 1995, uh, Tampa's new expansion team will be known as the Devil Rays, an unpopular name due to its unchristian reference. <laughs> they had 7,000 entries, and they picked the worst one. I like the Devil Rays name. Uh, let's see. Uh, the owner, Vince Namoli, preferred his team be called the Sting Rays, which is a pretty nice name. But he refused to pay the $35,000 needed to buy the trademark from a club in the Hawaiian Winter League. What a cheap son of a bitch. Uh, 2006 on uh, March 9th, at Hiram Bithorn Stadium in San Juan, Puerto Rico, a down with Fidel sign seen by millions of TV viewers, including those watching the WBC contest uh, in Cuba, creates an international incident. A Cuban official attending the game confronts the sign holder with local police quickly intercede, taking Angel Iglesias to a nearby police station. Uh, and then they remind the vice president of Cuba's National Institute of Sports, or NIS, that Puerto Ricans enjoy the right to freedom of speech, shut the fuck up, and go back to communist Cuba. I him going, can you imagine him going, you imagine having the balls to go out in the stands in Puerto Rico and come up to a guy and saying that a Puerto Rican in Puerto Rico that he can't say anything? And you're a commie from Cuba? I hope he kicked his ass. Anyway, 2011, a helicopter airlifts uh, Luis Salazar from just outside Champion Stadium in Kissimmee, Florida, to Orlando Regional Medical Center after he was struck in the face by a line drive that was pulled into the dugout by former Brave Brian McCann. It was the first inning of a Braves exhibition game at the time. Uh, The 54-year-old minor league manager, uh, Salazar, sustains a concussion, and will lose his left eye due to the injury. Oh, that's very, very sad. March 9, 2017. Uh, Let's see. Rob Manfred, commissioner of baseball, announces that Williamsport's BB&T Ballpark, the second oldest minor league ballpark in the U.S., formerly known as Bowman Field, opened in 1926, will host the first MLB Little League Classic between the Cardinals and the Pirates. And I hope they keep keep that going. I like the thing they're doing with the Field of Dreams, and I also like the Williamsport thing. It humanizes them. Uh, and the players seem to love it, hanging around the kids and all that. Uh, thank you to ESPN.com, 24-7 Sports, SEC Network, OnThisDay.com for helping out with the show. And let's see what's going on. Maybe we've got some breaking news here before 5 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Let's check Twitter. No, no, no that's not Twitter, you dumbass. Uh, dun, 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 dun. See if there's any movement in the baseball negotiations or if we have another trade in the NFL. Uh, let's see here. Ken Rosenthal is just now reporting MLB answered the uh, players' proposal by offering three options. One, agree to eliminate the draft pick compensation and examine the international draft. Two, give MLB option to reopen the CBA in a couple of years if the union won't agree to a draft. And three, agree to international draft and elimination of draft pick compensation. Now, that's getting into the weeds. I don't know exactly what they're talking about. But uh, this seems to be the big, um, somebody calling me there, sorry. Uh, the big sticking point, for some reason, is the international draft? Really? That's what's the holdup? Kind of bizarre. Uh, let's see what else we got here. mm 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 Joel Sherman says, I texted with Mets owner Steve Cohen, who said his like of a tweet that was critical of MLB's negotiating style was totally unintentional. Said he does not even know how to retweet. (coughs) Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that. Uh, Let's see. Darius Leonard says, here we go again, about to be five years with the Colts and five different quarterbacks. Thank you, Carson, for everything this year. Wish you nothing but the best even though you couldn't beat the Jaguars to get into the playoffs. (laughs) Uh, John Heyman saying almost no progress made today on another deadline day. Very little progress. So it looks like they're probably going to cancel more games unless they do something overnight. Washington is paying the full $28 million due to Carson Wentz this year, including a $5 million roster bonus next week. From now on, it's Commander Carson. Ooh, I like that. Adam Schefter came up with that one. Uh, I'm not. It's more talking. Oh, Stephen Ruiz says Carson Wentz is a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Washington is an indies downline. <laughs> I like how that goes. That uh, more talk about the weeds going on with the. The negotiations and all that. Oh, here's a picture from Old Time Hardball of two of the biggest assholes to ever put on a uniform, Will Clark and Rafael Palmero. I will not have that on my timeline, and they are gone. And uh, that seems to be it. Nothing else seems to be going on. Let's check uh, ESPN's headline, and then I'll let you go until Friday, God. Good Lord willing. Let's see. Uh, the New York Giants are likely to go for Mitch Trubisky. I am sorry, Giants fans, but maybe he'll work out there. Uh, nope, that's it. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining me. As always, if you'd like a t shirt, just go to uh, farmhouseprintingco.com and uh, be there in your your little hands or big hands in a few days. Uh, everybody, have a great uh, day or two. See you on Friday. Uh, hotty toddy and uh, drink up, Shriners which is also one of the t-shirts you can purchase at farmhouseprintingco.com.